In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. We are joined today by Deb McGoldrick. And Deb, I want to say thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is such a pleasure, such a pleasure. Now, what's fun about you for me is that I've heard your name for years. I've even uh, met your husband on one occasion, and all these people talk about you, and so I've never gotten to know you, but I can't say that after today, and neither can our listeners. (laughs) Thank you. So, Deb, tell us a little bit about you and um, kind of where you grew up and how you came to faith in Christ. Love to. I am um, a Michigan baby, grew up in Michigan um, in a godly home, had that privilege of knowing Jesus at an early age. I was laying in my bed, I was nine years old, and a verse that I'd memorized in Sunday school, Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. And it was like the Holy Spirit took his word And I thought, have I ever asked him in? And I thought, no, I want him to come in. And just in that childlike faith, invited Jesus into my life. I didn't see rainbows or, you know, hear anything going on outside my window or anything. It was summer. (laughs) But several weeks later, and when I was like probably 20 years ago, I asked my my parents, is this really true? Did this really happen? (laughs) And they said, oh, my goodness, yes, it did. A few weeks after I had invited Christ to come into my life, I asked my dad to take the screen off my bedroom window. We were in a ranch house. I drug up the picnic benches, put them under my window, and invited all the neighborhood children to listen to me every week tell Bible stories out my window. Oh, my goodness. Using using my dolls and my stuffed animals. And how old are you this time? I was about nine. Nine years old. It was like I lived in a neighborhood that was predominantly Roman Catholic. And back in the 60s, <laughs> they, you could never, we had vacation Bible school at our church. We couldn't, they would not, the children would not be able to come. And that? so as a nine-year-old, I wanted my neighbors, the children to know Jesus. Oh my goodness. So, I mean, there you go. Just started. <laughs> and I feel like, my parents really discipled me, my church, my Sunday school teachers. I really didn't have someone walk side beside with me. But you know, it was my heart from the get go. Mm-hmm. When I was in high school, I began to share my faith the best way I knew. And I wanted them to get into the Bible. And so I would meet at lunchtime with them and, and just bring my little New Testament and we would read a passage of the Bible and just talk about it. Now, were these so some of the kids that had sat under just, your window? Pardon? Were these some of the kids that had sat under your window uh, on the on the picnic table listening? You know, probably <laughs> not necessarily, but um, anyway, it, it's just it's just been a heart of mine to. I believe that God and His Word is yeah. what transforms people's lives, and if you open it up, I believe if if you just sat down and read the Scripture with a group of people, and that's all you did, Hmm. just pass the Bible around and read scripture, the Holy Spirit would meet with you. It's not necessarily about 
all the fancy stuff you need. It's God's word that transforms lives. And I, I have seen that from the very beginning. Well, it's your story, isn't it? I mean, they're telling this little girl to memorize this verse. And before you know it, she's preaching out her bedroom window. To... <laughs> That's and incredible. Just, you know, just out of the heart of a child. I mean, God said he, he mm-hmm. just delights that we trust him and we just knit the next row, I call it. Just take a step of faith and do the next thing. Hmm. I think God is creative enough to make and design each one of us in a way that we're going to specifically have an impact for Christ mm-hmm. with those we live by, with those who are in our family or we marry into that family, people we work with, kids we're at school with. Mm-hmm. We are the Jesus to them. Mm-hmm. It is God in us that wants to reach them. So No doubt about that. You know, I was, um, I was thinking as you were talking about that and so many people are hesitant to start a Bible study or actually start a small group or disciple people because they don't feel like they know enough. I hear that mm-hmm. a lot from people. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying is, is if you have a Bible and, and you can read, then you know enough. Absolutely. <laughs> and you know what? It is the Holy Spirit right. that is the teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and the Bible is... The context of our life, but also the, it should be the content of whatever we study, whatever we, we do. I think, you know, daily devotionals are wonderful, but you know what? It, to me, it's like a crouton. You know, a crouton you can't get much nourishment out of. A crouton used to be fresh bread, but then it was <laughs> dried out and packaged and seasoned. Mm. Every devotional you read, is fresh bread to the to the writer, to the one that met with God and wrote it. But God desires us to be self-feeders of the fresh bread of God's word and not just be dependent oh on croutons. You can't get any I have never heard satisfaction that out of that. <laughs> and so my heart has been to not, even though I have the gift of teaching, I from the very beginning want to build in those that I'm, God has brought around me become self-feeders of the Word. I think that's the best yeah. discipleship tool that you can have is to allow people to learn how to dig into the Word themselves. You know, and, every pastor uh, dreams of having a church full of self-initiators, right? Yes, yes. Uh, and I, then, I think and then as you talk about discipleship and the Great Commission, oh, the heart to see these people who have become self-feeders to become seed planters mm. in other people's lives. It's my favorite illustration. If I had an apple right here, I'd hold it up. But, you know, I usually ask my audience whenever I speak, how many seeds are in every apple? You know, you can Google it. It's four to six. Four to six. But you have no idea. No one can calculate how many bushels of fruit come from one seed. And that's the power of discipleship, Mm -hmm. multiplication, reproduction. And what I have seen in my life, the impact of God's word is like a seed. And in fact, do you mind if I read this scripture? Please do. Uh, Please do. In in Mark 4, uh, 26 through 29, just three verses. And this is in the Passion Translation, my new favorite translation. (laughs) Jesus also told them this parable. 
God's kingdom realm is like someone spreading seeds on the ground. He goes to bed, gets up day after day. The seed sprouts and grows tall, though he knows not how. All by itself it sprouts and the soil produces a crop. First the green stem, then the head of the stalk, and then fully developed grain in the head. And then when the grain is ripe, he immediately puts a sickle to the grain because the harvest time has come. And all that is, is we are just seed sowers. Hmm. We don't know how God's word goes into a person's life and transforms them. Mm -hmm. But this is a parable, a parable of the growing seed. Mm. And so when the, when the responsibility is off us to try to change somebody, mm -hmm. and all we are doing is scattering seeds, it's so simple. Mm -hmm. And that's I, my I heart. wonder why that, um, how that message has been lost in the church today, that you've got to be an expert, you've got to have a title, you've got to have training before you, God can really use you. What, how, do you think, um, how do you think we came to that realization or that thinking? Um, I don't know. Back in the, the New Testament, they gathered in homes. Yeah. And they, they didn't have all the hierarchy and all the paid staff. Mm -hmm. And I see that as you can create a caring community, connecting your neighbors, coworkers, friends, or family with the love of God, through beginning a simple Bible study, you're connecting them to Christ through just the simplicity of God's word. And that's where the multiplication comes. I, I have seen, can I share one story with you? Sure. sure. Um, Missy moved into our neighborhood, um, unchurched, didn't have a Bible. Um, her neighbor, who was in our neighborhood Bible study, said, hey, do you want to get to know some Women your age, there's free babysitting. Well, it is a Bible study, but, and Missy said, I don't know anything about the Bible, but I sure would like to meet some other moms. <laughs> and free babysitting, are you kidding me? <laughs> Sign and me so up. <laughs> she, so she came, and you know what? She was first attracted to the love and the laughter and the relationships. How about that? She didn't know anything about the Bible, but it kind of grew on her, really. Mm -hmm. And I remember her child was sick. And so I called her up. I said, Missy, can I come over and just want to share with you what you missed? And in my mind, I was praying for an opportunity to really see where she was spiritually. Right. We sat on her living room floor, kids crawling all over us, eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> and as we talked, I realized she just told me, I know nothing about the Bible. I know nothing about God. And as I just simply shared the Four Spiritual Law booklet mm -hmm. produced by Campus Crusade for Christ. Just read it through. Again, it is the Word of God. It's not the presenter. Right. She, right there, invited Jesus to come into her life. Wow. And when I asked her if she had a Bible, she said no. So I gave her a coupon for the Christian bookstore. She didn't even know there was any. <laughs> so the next, so we began to meet weekly, personally, just to follow up, just to begin to disciple. And she came back. She goes, I'm so excited. I got the Bible that Marcus Thornton wrote. And I went, what? <laughs> and it had, she brought it out, had a big 50% sticker on it. Oh, you know what happened? What they happened? misprinted the embossing on the front. Oh. It was probably Marcus Thornton. Oh, and they put an extra ton on the end. <laughs> 
And so she thought she was getting the Bible that Marcus Thornton read. <laughs> I mean, clueless. How about okay. that? Can I fast forward for 20 years Did, did you burst her bubble, though, at that point and tell her this was not the Bible that Marcus Thornton wrote? <laughs> yes. So needless to say, her husband came to Christ, her oh, three children. Praise God. She moved out of our neighborhood nine months. out of. She was only in the Bible study, and I only could disciple her for nine months. But we continued this relationship on. She's probably moved three or four times. Every time she moves, she starts prayer walking starts inviting neighbors over and leads a Bible study. How about because that? That's how her, that's how she was reached. Oh and her and her husband have been a part of a church plant. They've been on mission trips. I mean, talk about the bushels of fruit in that one seed. That is precious. Amazing. You know, people easily will come across the street. Well, maybe not with COVID, but mm -hmm. you know, come across the street, sit around your kitchen table and open the Bible with you. People are, are hungry to know Christ. Yeah. They're freaked out sometimes about the organized church. Mm -hmm. But I have found that neighbor, as you gather with neighbors in Bible study and they begin, they come to Christ, they begin to grow. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to ask them. They ask you because they're like, well, where do you go to church? Because I want my kids to go to church. I want my husband to go to church. Right. And it's such a bridge. Mm -hmm. You have that relationship. They've come to Christ. They're beginning to grow. But a neighborhood Bible study isn't a church. Right. But it's not a place that you have to promote church. It just is a person comes to Christ. It's so natural. Well, what so it's, it's, it, it does sound so natural, Deb. It also is unusual because... In my experience as a pastor for Lord knows how many years, um, it seems like people want you to, they feel like evangelism is come to my church and hear my pastor or come to my church and meet my pastor or come to this Sunday school class. Mm -hmm. And then yet once people don't want to do that, they f they feel rejected. So it kind of puts pours rain on their fire, so to speak. But what you do is different than that. How did you get into this concept of neighborhood Bible study? Well, I tell you what, the Great Commission is to go. It's not to come. So just <laughs> my heart has always been to reach out and to be that bridge, to be that that love connection. But to be honest, I was um, a stay-at-home mom 30-some years ago, pushing my two children in a stroller we had just bought this house in Spring Ridge, right around the corner from Mount Pisgah. And I began to, to prayer walk my neighborhood because I felt like prayer is like cultivating the ground. Mm -hmm. And so as I prayed, I, and I prayed three things. And I've been doing this for 30 years in my neighborhood. Number one, I would see, I would just pray generally, God, move out all evil. Because you know what? I had two children, little ones. I thought, you know what? God says, you ask anything in my name and I will do it. And why not ask? Mm -hmm. Why not be a watchman on the wall? Mm -hmm. And then I would see houses for sale. And I'd say, oh, keep out all evil. Like, don't let any evil move into this neighborhood. But would you, Lord? So the first prayer is keep out all evil and don't allow any to move in. Mm -hmm. Number two, would you move people into that house? who are hungry to know Christ. They may not know they're hungry to, do, to know Christ, but 
that you would move those kinds of people in. And number three, you'd move in fellow believers who have a heart to reach their neighbors for Christ. I could literally write a book in the past 30 years of hundreds of stories of people that move in. And so you know what happens, Mark? (laughs) You should write that book. When a neighbor, four doors up, moves in four years ago, um, you know, I walk up. I mean, this is just one story. I walk up with some bread. If you don't make bread or cookies or whatever, who cares? Just be neighborly. Just reach out. But I like to bake. So knocked on the door. Nobody came. I kept going back. I'm like, somebody has moved in here. I don't know who it is. And so a young Indian woman answered the door and um, I, you know, just gave her, I said, I'm a neighbor, you know, if you need anything, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? When I started talking to her, she invited me in and I knew immediately she was not evil because you know what? God hears and answers prayer. Hmm. Number two, I immediately knew she was not a fellow believer. Because she actually had some Hindu gods sitting around. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, great. She's hungry to know Christ. Mm-hmm. And you know what? She has been hungry. She has not, in my knowledge, placed her faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. But I've had the privilege of loving her, realized her mother when she was 11 died. I've been like a, a mother to her wow. and, a, and a grandma to her daughter. And all her relatives live in India, and she came to America as an arranged with an arranged marriage. Mm-hmm. I have been, I just believe she's going to be in heaven. In fact, one day I was talking to her and I said, I'm not going to use her name, but I, I just said, I can't imagine being in heaven without you. Wow. And I just, tears rolled down my face. I, I didn't mean, I mean, it just came out yeah. because I love her so much. Mm-hmm amazing. God answers prayer. So anyway, to answer your question, as I was prayer walking, you know, I, anyway, a a small seed, let's just say a small seed of a neighborhood Bible study came out of that prayer. And as we um, just put flyers on everybody's mailbox, I believe in sewing broadly, um, inviting women to a coffee, just neighborhood coffee to get to know other women. And there we just, you know, were able to just share that there was a group of women that were interested in discussing the Bible. Hmm. You, you didn't have to know, have any prior knowledge, just a desire to get together, share a cup of coffee, and open the Bible and see how it relates to your life. Incredible. There were just a few of us that began. Wow. And it just has multiplied over the years. And we've every year we have a coffee. Yeah. Every year we invite the whole neighborhood. Every year we we continue to prayer walk and just look for opportunities to be salt and light for Christ on the street that you live on or in the cul-de-sac you live on. Well, it sounds it sounds so simple, which is why I love it. Uh, but it, what are the challenges that have risen for you in that ministry, so to speak? I mean, it sounds like it wasn't something that you read in a book somewhere to do. It's just yeah. something that came from prayer. Um, what challenges have you experienced um, that others might learn from if they decide to start prayer walking their neighborhood and inviting people into their homes? If you start prayer walking your neighborhood, you're going to begin to notice things. Hmm. You're going to be, your eyes are going to open to, people are going to walk out to their mailbox 
or their dog's going to start barking and come over to you. Or God, if you are truly desiring to be the hands and feet of Jesus and you are praying, you are asking God, what is your will to be done in this neighborhood? And might, might you use me or connect me with other believers? It's like having an anticipation. It's like when I was a little girl, every December we would go to the Herple Shimers Christmas Parade. And, <laughs> and we, would, we would go, we'd get our hot chocolate, you know, put our boots and our mittens on. And as we sat on the side, we waited for, I just would keep wanting to run out into the street and wait to, I, I couldn't wait. And then I would hear the bands and I knew it was coming. Like, we need to pray with expectation hmm. that God is going to do something so much greater. I think the biggest um, hindrance is ourselves. Hmm. And the biggest hindrance is, yeah, it's all about us. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid they won't like me. I'm afraid I'm going to get the, be the Jesus person in the neighborhood. I'm afraid, I'm a, you know, what, what if nobody, you know, I mean, it's all about me. If or, you set rejection, that aside, fear of rejection, you, right? Yes, or that no one would come. Yeah, I have seen over and over again as as women, especially because my heart is for women, but everybody else too. You can do this. That mm -hmm. you don't have to just be a woman, but the fear that nobody will come. And I have seen over and over again one person come. Well, or two or three are gathered. God's in their midst. Just begin to read the Bible and meet with that one person. But the heart is to continue to pray mm. and continue to invite, mm -hmm. continue to go where people are, go to the playground, hang out where other moms are. Just say, hey, there's a group of us getting together. It's like, just be neighborly, just be, just be friendly. Mm. And just to be honest, I got all kinds of questions. Yes, this seems so simple. How do you start? And the Lord just, kind of, oh, this was, this was one of the issues early on is women, our neighborhood is kind of a starter home. And so when they started having more kids, they needed more room. So they had to move out of the neighborhood. And they're like, we got to stay within a one or two mile radius because we want to keep coming back to the Bible study. <laughs> and you know what? I thought, you know, my heart is to multiply. Yeah. You know what? I will start prayer walking with you in your neighborhood. Oh, Okay. And as we did that, you know, they're like, how do you pray and walk at the same time? I'm like, you just keep your eyes open. And we prayed those three things, move out, keep out all evil, you know, move in people who are hungry to know Christ and move in other believers. Mm -hmm. Lori, was, Lori was the first person I did that in, in Nesbitt Lakes, right across the way. Yeah. She moved in there. And she goes, well, I'll pray with you, but I'm not going to start a Bible study. So as we <laughs> prayed every week, and there were so many houses for sale. She said, okay, I'll put a fly. If you help me put flyers out, I'll put a flyer out and had a coffee. But if nobody comes, I'm coming back to yours. I'm like, Lori, people are going to come. She goes, no, no, I don't want them. <laughs> and there were, I don't know, maybe 10 women that came and two were from her street. Houses that we had prayed for specifically. Wow. One of them, Carrie said, I just became a Christian our family just came to Christ in California. We were transferred here. I don't know what I was going to do. Two days after we moved in, the flyer was on my mailbox. Mm. A Bible study on my street. Okay, so we prayed her in, literally. <laughs> another another gal was not a believer. 
and um, but thought she was, mm-hmm. was a churchgoer, very committed churchgoer. And through that first year, she realized that she just knew God in her head and not her heart. And she, so it was like God brought in another believer, somebody who was hungry to know Christ. Lori was hooked. Wow. And the sad thing is she never came back to my Bible study. But the exciting thing right. was I couldn't, I couldn't drag her back right. because she began, she grew in her faith exponentially because she was now leading others. That's the power of multiplication. Yeah. When you can empower and equip, give simple steps. And the three simple steps are pray, just connect, and then lead. Prayer walk, get a prayer partner. Grab somebody that you can begin to say, let's believe God. What does he want for our neighborhood? Mm -hmm. And then connect, build relationships. But you know what? You don't have to spend years building relationships. Just get to know the people God brings in your path, even as you're praying. Um, Be neighborly. Reach out. Look for needs. You're going to see a balloon on a mailbox of a baby. Well, doggone it. They live two streets away, but you walk past it and pray, Mm -hmm. you know, knock, knock, knock. Hey, you know, I'm a neighbor, but I've seen this balloon. Congratulations. Yep. Just connect. Just be neighborly. Right. And then just create or just do something simply to gather people. If you feel more comfortable just inviting the people on your street, fine. I'm like, be bold. Invite the whole neighborhood. You never know who lives three streets over mm-hmm. that your child is going to eventually marry someday. <laughs> you know, <it's laughs> That's like, right. <laughs> I mean, stories like that have sure. actually happened. Um, That's incredible. Just man. so broadly gather together and then invite them to join you in a Bible study. You know, um, it's um, it's so different than a lot of people think because. Um, you know, pastors all the time tell people to go be the light, go be a witness, go share your faith, and everybody in the pew nods yes and then goes home and never does it. And pastors feel good because they told them to do it. But what you do, it sounds like, is is you really walk alongside these ladies so that not only whether they've come to your home, have been in your home, encountered the scriptures in your home, when it comes time to go or lead, you don't just say good luck. It sounds like you have also continued to walk with them in, yes. in other ways. So you're still discipling them. It's just at a different frequency. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. Join us again next week as we continue our conversation on the 419 Disciple Makers podcast.